morning, if you'd open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter, please. Gospel of John, the 20th chapter. We're going to begin in verse 18 and run down through about verse 25. Ronnie, thank you. That was... I, I have never heard that arrangement before. Uh, that piano part was marvelous. But thank you very much. Uh, singing of the transformative power of grace. Uh, we're going to look at some transformations here today, too, in the disciples uh, in their post-resurrection appearances of Christ. Uh, you know, we sang Love Lifted Me there earlier, too. <clears throat> I'm sorry, the songs always bring back memory. I, I guess I'm getting older now because songs always bring back memories of my childhood. And Love Lifted Me, there was a guy in our church, I raised in a very small, well, small-town Baptist church, Mallard Miller, uh, was the guy in our church. I remember two things about Mallard. One was on Love Lifted Me, he sang that bass part, that Love Lifted Me, even me. What, uh, yeah, that, that. And as a kid, I, always, I just couldn't wait till my voice changed so that I could sing, and it never did. Never, but uh, the two things about Mallard Miller, I remember his bass voice, and he grew the best watermelons in town. So Anyway, thanks for the memories there. Bart. Uh, anyway, the Gospel of John chapter 20, um, you know, Easter was just last Sunday, but I'm not quite through with it myself yet. Uh, Easter, that resurrection day, that is the, the day that changed all history. It's the, the day that changed the way that we uh, count time and the calendar. It's the day that changed everything. Uh, Wednesday night, we looked a little bit at the first of the post-resurrection appearances of Christ to Mary Magdalene. Tonight we're going to look at uh, the first post-resurrection appearance of Jesus to his gathered disciples. Did I say tonight? Today. Today we're going to do that. Nick, yeah, you, whatever you're doing tonight is up to you. you know. Nick will be preaching this evening. So we're going to begin here in verse 19 of the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John. You know what, I'm going to back up to verse 18. Mary Magdalene came, announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we pray this morning that you will reveal yourself in our midst today. Your promise is that when we gather together that you are here with us, and Lord, Make us aware of your presence. Let us know, Lord, that you inhabit our praise. 
Open our eyes, open our hearts, Lord, to your presence today. Let us find you in your word. In Christ's name, amen. Verse 19, so when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, that was Resurrection Sunday, that was the day that Jesus rose from the grave after three days in that borrowed tomb. A lot had already gone on that day. Uh, Mary Magdalene was the first to get, go to the tomb. It says she went to the tomb while it was still dark, and she noticed it had been open, that the stone had been rolled away, and she then ran to tell Peter and John that she thought someone must have stolen the body. The other women came to the tomb to anoint the body and were greeted by angelic beings. Peter and John, at the word of Mary Magdalene, run to the tomb. John gets there first, looks in, and the Bible says he sees the cloths folded up where Jesus should have been, and he believed. That's the first reference we have to any of the disciples actually believing in the resurrection. And John believed based on the evidence that he saw. We see Mary Magdalene then coming back to the tomb after John and Peter have departed, after perhaps the other women have already come and, and had their encounter with the angels, and they leave, and we saw Wednesday night how Mary Magdalene then has an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus. And he tells her, look up in verse 17 of the chapter 20, Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. And that's the message, verse 18 tells us, that Mary Magdalene came and announced to the disciples. She came and announced to the disciples that Jesus had risen, that he was going to be going to his Father and their Father. To his God and to their God. Once again, he is there claiming that relationship with the Father that is unique to him and yet claiming once again that the Father is the Father to all of his children. So that's the message that Mary Magdalene has, has come to the disciples with. We know then that also between this morning and this evening that Jesus has appeared to two on the way to Emmaus, to Cleopas and the, uh, another disciple on the, way, on the road to Emmaus. And he speaks with them on the way and then he reveals himself to them. And we, we see in the Gospel of Luke that, that those two disciples had come back to Jerusalem then before this evening encounter. We also know from, uh, from 1 Corinthians 15 and from a reference, I believe, in Matthew that Peter had had an encounter with the risen Christ. There's no other reference to that in the Bible. We don't see what Jesus said to Peter. We only know that it says that he appeared to Simon or that he appeared to Peter. And now the disciples are all gathered in that evening the first day of the week, it says in chapter 19, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, 
had every right to be afraid, don't you think? Their leader had been executed. The one they'd been following for three years had been hung on a cross and buried. Now the, the women are claiming that he's risen from the dead and a few of the other disciples claim they've seen him, but the gathered group still is expressing disbelief. They're, they're, they're probably discussing all of this, saying, well, no, you can't believe them. You can't, you can't believe this one. <clears throat> you know, we give Thomas a bad rap as if he's the only one that was slow to believe. But the truth is all of the disciples, as they gathered there that evening were still in a state of confusion but they were also in a, a state of fear now the Jews had, had had executed the Romans in fact did the execution but at the behest of the people of Jerusalem had executed Jesus their leader their master the rumor had started now that the disciples had stolen the body of Jesus remember the guards that were there at the tomb when the angel came and rolled the stone away, the guards went to the Jewish leaders and they created the lie that the disciples had stolen the body. Perhaps the rumor had gotten back to them. So we have the 11 and other believers in, the, in what was probably the upper room where they had had the Lord's Supper and they're in there behind closed and locked doors in the evening, and it's probably actually somewhere between 7, 8 o'clock at night, the sun has gone down, and the reason we think that is because of the time it would take for the Cleopas and the other disciple to walk from Emmaus back to Jerusalem. It's about seven miles uh, to get back there after they had had their brief supper with Jesus. So here at darkness in Jerusalem and the disciples for fear, a very legitimate fear, are hidden behind closed doors. Verse 19 says, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Their first response, Luke tells us, is they were terrified. They thought they were seeing a ghost. Peace be with you. Can you imagine the chaos of the room at that moment? Here they'd been discussing whether Jesus really had, had been risen again, that they didn't believe these, they didn't believe this one. They were arguing, some were saying, no, it must be true. Others are probably saying, oh, it can't be true. And then Jesus appears. The door didn't open. The door had been locked for fear of the Jews. And Jesus appears in their midst with that traditional greeting of peace be with you. And apparently, even at that, as they again were assuming that it was perhaps a spirit or a ghost, and he shows them his hands and his side. Verse 20 says, Thus the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Their fear turned to joy when they recognized the presence of Jesus. 
there's a step there that we have to, have to really take note of. Jesus came into the room and they didn't instantly feel the joy. First they were terrified and then they were confused. But then when they recognized the presence of Jesus, their fear turned to joy. We teach and we believe that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, the Holy Spirit of Christ himself comes to reside within us. We believe and we teach. And I prayed earlier, when we gather together in worship, that he promises that he is here with us. <coughs> we have head knowledge of his presence here with us. But do you recognize that he is here? Do you recognize his presence with us? Do you come in on, on Sunday morning because this is what we do and you, you come in and you have the head knowledge that you come in here to meet God? But do you recognize the truth of that? Do, do, do your fears turn to joy in his presence? Because surely he is here with us. We serve a risen Savior. He is alive. He lives today. And he is here with us. It's no Time to be afraid. It is a time to be joyful. We too are to be joyful in his presence. Philippians 4 tells us rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice always. Why always? Because he promised he is with us always. What keeps us from, from realizing that presence? We're afraid to recognize it. We're afraid to take it from this fact that we know and realize it as a constant reality. Do you practice the presence of God in your life? Do you live each day recognizing that Jesus is in your midst? Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever the fears are that keep you awake at night, they can be transformed by recognizing the presence of Jesus. You ever had those moments where it just seems like it's everything's beginning to weigh down on you and you, you find a time in prayer and all of a sudden or maybe over a, a period of growth, the fears begin to recede and you have a peace, that peace that surpasses understanding and yet none of the circumstances have changed. That's the recognition of the presence of Christ. That's what brings the peace. Peace be with you. 
And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. I think it's interesting there that he says, Peace be with you again. I mean, can you imagine the, what's happening in the room, though? First, they're there in absolute fear. Then they think they've seen a ghost. And then they realize it's true. Jesus has risen again. I don't think they were quiet. I, I think then they're, see, I told you. See, oh, I believe it. And, then, and peace be with you. And he brings again. Jesus controls every situation that he is present in. He doesn't control it forcefully. He controls it by his presence. One of my professors used to say that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He never forces his way upon us. We invite him. We allow him. We recognize him. And then he can do his work. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. See, in this, they go, in that moment, I think what Jesus is doing is taking them from a state of confusion to being commissioned. They go from being confused to being commissioned, to being sent out, to being prepared for that sending. This isn't the first time they have heard that phrase. Turn back a couple of chapters to John 17. Look down beginning in verse 18. It says, as you sent me into the world. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer. This is Jesus speaking to the Father in the presence of all the disciples. And he's, he tells the Father, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. This comes after the, the period earlier where Jesus had sent them out into the world to preach the kingdom of God, it says. Uh, he sent them into Samaria. He sent them out in twos. He sent them out. He had sent them out as part of their training and preparation, as part of their being ready for when he would not be with them. And here in chapter 17, I want you to notice something else. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, <coughs> I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, now listen, but for those also who believe in me through their word. That's you. That's me. Those who believe in Jesus through the word of the apostles, through the words of scripture. And he says, not only does he ask on behalf of them, but he asks on behalf of, of us. What's he asking? He's asking to be sanctified in the truth. Why? Because as you sent him into the world, he also has sent them into the world. We hear it in the Great Commission. This is really in John here, I think, is the first commissioning of his apostles, the first true commissioning when he says this, as the Father sent me, 
I also send you. He's giving them their commission to go out to preach the gospel. We, each of us, even in that John 17 passage, share that same commission, that same duty, that same responsibility to go out into the world. Matthew records it in what we know is that great commission when he says, as you go, make disciples. That's our task. That's our commissioning. We are among the disciples who were commissioned and sent out. Verse 22. And when he had said this, <coughs> he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Here this, this group of disciples Afraid, locked behind doors, feeling completely powerless. They weren't even, didn't feel that they had the power to, to even go outside to, to be among the people. And he gives them and empowers them with the Holy Spirit. They go first from being fearful to being joyful, from being confused to being commissioned from being powerless now to being empowered. Even though here he tells them, he says, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. We know from the book of Acts that the Spirit comes in power upon them on Pentecost. A couple of ways to look at this one. It's either a look forward to that time at Pentecost. And it's an interesting uh, picture that Jesus is giving them here as he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then at Pentecost, the Spirit's recognized in two ways. One, by the wind coming into the room and by the flaming tongues of fire on them. So this is either a, a preview of that later reception of the Holy Spirit or it is a first receiving of the Holy Spirit. I think it is the latter. I think as Jesus breathed on them and said receive the Holy Spirit, they did receive the Holy Spirit. But it's only at Pentecost when the Spirit comes upon them in power and they recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit and therefore are ready to respond in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because from this moment forward, you do not yet see the disciples with the full power that they have after Pentecost. I'm not saying that it's a two-part thing of the Holy Spirit coming in part and then later. It is the Holy Spirit has come upon them at this time, at that moment of belief and acceptance that it is the resurrected Lord Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and does not force us. He empowers us and it's only at Pentecost when they recognize the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Just as here, it's only after Jesus shows them the wounds on his hands and his sides, even though he was already there, that they recognize the true presence of Christ. Verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. 
If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Isn't that a wonderful thought? To think that we have the power to forgive sins? The story's told of an elderly woman who's in the hospital and she's just about on her deathbed and the chaplain comes in and he prays over her and he says, I forgive you your sins. And she perks up and she says, may I see your hands? And she takes and looks at his hands and she says, you can't forgive my sins. You don't have the scar, the nail marks. See, it's true that only Jesus can forgive our sins. So what does this verse tell us when, it's, when it says, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. In the church age, we have given, been given the power of the gospel. It is the gospel that allows people's sins to be forgiven. It is our job to share the gospel message with everyone. If we don't do it, their sins will be retained. If we don't tell them, if we don't preach the fact that your sins are forgiven by Christ on the cross, then their sins will not be forgiven. In that we have the power. In the power of the gospel. In the power and in the duty to tell people the truth of scripture. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. It's not the forgiveness that we give. It is the message of forgiveness that we give. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. It is not in our power to forgive or retain. It is in our power to preach the word of God, to teach the word of God, to present the gospel, to point out sin for the purpose of forgiveness and reconciliation. What made the difference to these disciples gathered up there in that upper room, afraid of the Jews behind locked doors that first Sunday night? You know, I think it's interesting that they're gathered together on Sunday night. You know, we do that here. I, some of you, I think, know that, but we do that. We gather as disciples here on Sunday night, too. What made the difference to that gathered group of disciples that turned them from fearful? The recognition of the presence of Jesus. Oh, brothers and sisters, there are so many in this world today that will say that they know Jesus, that they say that they believe in Jesus, and yet 
There's no recognition at all of His presence by them. If you find yourself in that state, Where somehow up here you, yeah, if someone asks, you say, yeah, I, I believe Jesus is here. But you don't recognize his presence. Call upon him today. Ask him to make his presence real to you. Ask him to remind you of his presence. And then each and every day, practice the presence of Christ in your life. Wake up every morning and realize He is there with you. As you go about whatever it is you do in that day, remind yourself, He is here with me. In those times when you're, when you're paralyzed by fear, recognize He is with me. The risen Lord Jesus, the one who spoke the world into existence, the one who bore your sins in, on that cross, the one who laid in a tomb for three days and then rose victorious over even death, the one who has promised to be with you always, he fulfills his promises and he is with you. Recognize it, live in it, rejoice in it. Turn your fears to joys, to joy. Uh, turn your confusion into a, a commission and a mission. Just practice the presence of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a living Savior, that you are with us, that you are here in our presence, that you are present even in us. And Lord, if there be anyone here today who doesn't know your presence, who doesn't recognize you as the Savior and Lord of all, Lord, I pray that you make your presence known to them. Convict them, Lord. Pour out your grace upon them. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to stand as we sing this hymn of invitation. If you have never let anyone know that you are a child of God and you've accepted Jesus as Lord and, your, and Savior, come down and let us share that with you. If you prayed for the first time to let Jesus be your Savior, you come down. Or perhaps you've decided to join in fellowship with this body of believers. You come down as we sing.